0: We are very sad, Bazarana, to have learned just in the last week or two the brutality against women and children. Something has gone wrong in our nation. Something has gone wrong in the soul of our nation. When I travel to countries that have gone through oppression or apartheid or any form of subjugation like that and I find those nations being settled and not having the levels of crime like we have in our nation, I often ask them, what is it that you did differently? I don't speak as a specialist, nor have I done any special study on this. But I can safely say I have engaged in enough work in this country and in speaking to people at all levels that I think I, think I can safely say, maybe we didn't take ourselves through a period of rehabilitation. There's so much anger in our nation. Anger on our roads, anger in our homes, anger in churches, society at large. The men are angry, children are angry, everybody's angry. And this is manifesting in the way we see the brutality that is being portrayed. So we we've decided to stream this service, and so we are joined by our other churches. We wanted to have this service together as a church and we welcome those of you who are streaming from around the world at this service. A very somber service, not an easy one. And that is why tomorrow, all our churches that have buildings, we will be having this special prayer meeting. We know it is out of the usual calendar, but we ask of you to come. I thought I would read a statement that was made by the Conference of Bishops of the Catholic Church Dating back to 2007-2008, which I believe that is very relevant today, I'm only going to read certain portions of it that apply to the theme of our sermon today, or the theme of today, which is standing against xenophobia. And I quote: "The Catholic Church in South Africa has called on faith and other communities to use their influence to stop xenophobic violence and edge help." for its victims. Attack on foreign nationals have left at least seven people dead. This is 2007, 2008. More than 5,000 displaced. Shops looted and razed. They started in Durban in early April and spread to other parts of the country. Cardinal, Cardinal Napier called on all residents of South Africa to build bridges and to help move our country forward. I believe that most of us, this is what we want to do, Mazalani. We want to build bridges. We want to move our country forward. All right? There's only a few people that I think are bent on doing criminality and being involved in that. Let me quote further. There's an there's awful violence is deeply disturbing and shamefully embarrassing for the people of South Africa and betrays the whole African continent. This is what the Johannesburg-based Jesuit Institute said in a statement. They said further, Those who are committing these murderous acts, they need to cease immediately, as well as those who make sweeping and inaccurate statements about about foreign nationals and their effects on local communities. For example, some are saying they are stealing our resources. Noting that the perpetrators of this violence are people who worship in our faith communities, the Jesuits called on religious leaders to find ways of addressing this endemic problem. Faith communities have the power to influence and must use this influence to condemn this behavior, they said, noting that welcome and hospitality are the key concepts throughout the scriptures. The fact that xenofotive violence has continued after 2008 means that government has failed to address this church through education, dialogue, and other methods of outreach. That's what the Jesuit said. More than 60 people were killed and more than 30,000 people were displaced in the attacks of foreign, foreigners around South Africa in May 2008. Now, some of you may be aware that in May 2008, we did get involved with assisting with this situation of helping the, our foreign nationals. And I will use that term for now. I don't like it, but we'll use that uh, to help them. I remember we went to the area near to G P, and we got involved in talking to them And finding out that we did bring relief aid as we have done so. And let me just say, Basalana, tag along that. That's not a statement I'm reading. But uh, I'm sure you are aware, Eskereke, maybe we're not doing well in terms of posting things on Facebook and on tweets and so on. And so people make a lot of statements about us. Unfortunately, a lot of people know very little about what we're doing. And maybe it's said that maybe Lerona, we should do more in terms of showcasing what we do. We don't just make statements on tweets and on WhatsApp, because sometimes people think when they have spoken a lot on WhatsApp and on tweets, they have done the work. We tweet less and do more. Okay, we, we, we do more, we do more. And so in 2008, we did get involved, and you know, not just in that community, we also helped some of the people in Uh, Go Honeydew, you know, we've been in Devon recently and all of that, as we will be today. And uh, maybe we should update you a little bit more. But also, I must also say, maybe as a, not not as a footnote, but as one of the things, I think as I was in that region in 2008, speaking to our brothers and sisters, many of them had run from where they stayed because of the clip that they had seen on the news, and unfortunately, at that time, the story of uh, a foreign nationals being stabbed in Alexander over cigarettes, I don't know how many of you know the fullness of the story, that the report was that a South African attend, uh, attacked a Zimbabwean person and stabbed them, and that foreign nationals were being attacked. Sometimes, I think it's very unfortunate that sometimes the news media prematurely reports on things that they haven't fully investigated. We found out later that the two people who actually fought were both of them not South Africans. And, and, and not certainly not Zimbabwean either. That was later found out. It's true. And it was said for me to note that same week that some videos were being uploaded and posted on social media. One of them was of a man whom, around whose neck a tire was put and he was doused with petrol and killed. That video is not South African. It didn't come from South Africa. Like one of the videos that is being showed now of a woman being attacked by a mob of people. That is fake news. That is not something that's happening in South Africa. Now, as to whether people are being attacked in South Africa, that's true. And this is why as church leaders we want to be involved. I think we need to separate fake news from true news. And we need to speak to all people alike. All right? We have no vested interest as business people we're not going to stand there as trying to take sides with anybody. The only side we are on is the side of truth and justice. Amen. That's the only side. Whether it's foreign nationals who are committing things that are wrong or our own people in South Africa who are committing things that are wrong, we will speak up and we will stand for that truth. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Amen. So I want to say that because so much is happening and so much is said, And for those of us who relate with people outside the country, it's so sad because some of these things are being circulated. I'm on some of the WhatsApp groups with, with leaders around the world. And, uh, you know, and, and on one of the WhatsApp groups, they are posting some of these things and the comments that are being made by some of the leaders. But it's difficult, you know, even to correct, even if you correct, her, you hang your head in shame because, unfortunately, there are things that are happening here that are not the right things. That's why we believe, Barcelona, the church needs to give leadership. Can you tell your neighbor the church needs to give leadership there? Let me continue reading. It is a sad and traumatic time. We need to, in this sad and traumatic time, we need to make sure that the areas in which we live are places where all feel welcome and safe. This is what Keniel Napier says. If people have fled our neighborhoods because they felt unwelcome, we need to help them to move back and rebuild their lives. If we know people who do not share our values, we need to challenge them to a conversation of the heart in which, like the good Samaritan, We see everybody as our neighbor, especially those different from us. I'm going to talk about that at the end. The xenophobic behavior we have seen and the attitudes that lie behind it do not reflect the majority of the people, Karyanepia said. Noting that we must not allow a few bullies to change how we as people living in South Africa see each other and see ourselves. And that's true, Mazelan. The majority of us, we are not xenophobic. And I will tell the foreign nationals that, even if they don't want to hear it, some of them. The majority of us, I mean, we as a church, we've related with people from across the continent. We've had people guest speakers. We've been there. Some of our members are married to people in some of the other countries. So, you know, I mean, in, in, when we went to Ghana, that was in, uh, what year was it, 1996 it was? 94 when we went. We were so well received in Ghana, you know. Bishop watt Mills and, and the church there received us so well. You know, it was such an emotional thing for us to be there, uh, just fresh from democracy. And, and how we, we were shocked and surprised and excited the way our brothers in Ghana, our sisters and brothers in Ghana, supported our, our need for freedom. How we were received. I mean, we were received as kings, you know. We were received as royalty. And, and I remember at the end of that service, as we were bidding them farewell, we just broke down and cried because of the way they treated us. They were so good to us. We just felt a sense of familyliness with them, you know. And, and, and today I have to hang my head in shame in how we, in return, are treating our, our brothers from the continent. And, and it's a sad thing. And, you know, we're trying, some of us, to build bridges as much as we can. So let me continue reading. I'm going to finish quickly, Bazalana. We asked the foreigners, this is what William Slattery said, Archbishop William Slattery in Pretoria said, we asked the foreigners and expatriates to avoid being involved in any unfair labor and illegal business practices. This is what the conference said. And then they said, it's not enough to tell Christians to pray for an end to xenophobic attacks. All right? We need to also work in our communities to address xenophobia. Yeah. So wherever you are, wherever you can make a change, please work. People were looking for change when, we f- when the first post-apartheid government was elected in 1994, and they've been let down, and they're living in squalor. You know, there are many problems we have. There are people who feel like this democracy hasn't brought what they were looking for, alright? And, and, and we also must acknowledge, Barcelona, the, there's grassroots level people who feel that, uh, you know, and when they see all the things going on, they feel they have been short-charged. So there are many layers to this thing, alright? So it's important. So let me close. So as the church, we need to speak out against xenophobia, we, and, and also, South African companies also should do their part to address xenophobia. That's what the Jesuit said. Noting that many South African companies employ foreign nationals across the continent. There are strong feelings among locals that many foreigners are here illegally and are involved in illegal activities such as selling drugs and all of that. However, we commit ourselves, Runa, to telling the truth and speaking the truth. And correcting some of these views that may not be there. And that whoever is breaking the law, they must get the force of the law coming their way, no matter who they are. We commit ourselves, therefore, to collaborating with all people of goodwill to create a society in which all people are treated with dignity and feel welcome. Julius Malema actually said something this past week that I thought was phenomenal. He said, as South Africans, we need to acknowledge that we have come from a traumatic past and we are still soul-searching. Something has gone wrong, Bazalan. He further said, it's not the Nigerians or a Zimbabwean that killed Uinene. It is us South African men. It is us who are killing our women. Let's deal with ourselves, close coast. This past Thursday, as you know, dozens of people gathered in the evening opposite the Joseph Stone auditorium for a prayer service for young women and girls who were murdered in recent weeks. They remember just a few of them, but there's many of them who were killed. Those who were remembered among them were Denush Witboy, Megan Kremer, Uyine Nene, Mkwechana, Jesse Hess, uh, Leandre uh, Juggles, Janiko Mallo, and Lynette Volzegh. The truth is, Baselana, we are a traumatized society. And I believe as church leaders... We need to help our society, for us to move along into a journey of healing, into a journey of reconciliation, into a journey of being rebuilders, repairers, restorers, and those who raise up. The journey will not be easy for us. It's going to involve difficult conversations, challenging sermons like the one I'm preaching today. It's going to involve us changing our plans to go and help where there is problems. This is going to need decisive action to prevent further damage. As a church, we must stand against the violence against women and children. We must stand against any abuse of any sort. We must stand against racism. As a church, we must stand against xenophobia. And because today we are talking about xenophobia, I lean more on that we will deal with the others. So much war, so much anger, so much distrust is there in our world today. Realize that the issues of xenophobia are not unique to South Africa. But when you look around the world, you see these signs everywhere. When you look at the UK and the EU taking the positions on the Brexit negotiations, unfortunately we hear presidents of the world like Donald Trump and North Korea posturing issuing threats to one another. Bringing the world almost to the brink of catastrophe. Time and time again, we see refugees and immigrants being the scapegoats of the ills of society across so many uh, countries. We see people displaced, vulnerable people being treated in a bad way. And those who bear the brunt of this, unfortunately, happen to be the women and the children. Racism, xenophobia, and fear of other cultures is undoubtedly on the rise. And it's been vocalized around the world on a scale not witnessed for many generations. Fear of the other, fear of what we do not know, fear of what we don't understand. As Christians, we must present a God who transcends racism. We must present a God who will not allow abuse. We must present a God who transcends xenophobia. We want to present a church that is bigger than ignorance, bigger than hatred. We want to model a way of living that shows hospitality and kindness to those of other cultures. And those whose cultures particularly that we don't understand. And for that reason, if the church will not take the lead in this current time, then who will? Who will? The truth is this. When we read the Bible, we can't run away from the reality of people living in foreign lands. The very Bible we read that we preach, somehow we seem to overlook the reality of the fact that there are people who lived in foreign lands. And God has pronounced himself on how foreigners ought to be treated. Let me give you some examples. In Genesis 12, God commands Sarah and Abraham to leave the Ur of the Chaldeans. They left their homeland. They left their country. And God said to sojourn in the land where God is going to show them to live. And they're going to live there. Even in the due time of famine, they were to live there. Many of us, we like talking about Ruth and Naomi. What we don't realize is that Ruth and Naomi were immigrants. Ruth spent, as a Moabitess, spent her time in Israel. Naomi, as an Israeli, spent her time in Moab. And we see people criss-crossing. What about our Lord Jesus Christ? Who when Herod was killing all the babies, his parents took him and they fled to Egypt in Africa. Jesus Christ was an expatriate. Jesus Christ became a foreign national on this continent. When his own country was trying to kill him, Africa received him. In Matthew 8, you know how radical Jesus was in his preaching. Because throughout his preaching, Jesus was very intentional in what he said and in the examples he used. It's difficult for us, who are far removed from the culture of the time and from the history of the time, to understand how radical Jesus was in the statements that he made. In Matthew 8, Jesus is talking to a Roman soldier and commending this roman soldier for his own faith remember at the time jewish people were oppressed by the roman government and as a result there were ill feelings between them and the romans somehow god has a way of looking beyond and overlooking all our prejudices you know as human beings we have issues but let me promise you god's not gonna side with any of us with our issues God will always side with the truth. And so Jesus intentionally, after he had spoken to this Roman soldier, who by the way came and asked him to come and pray for the servant. If things went according to the way of the feelings of the time and the emotions of the time and the views of the time, Jesus should not have helped this man. But not only did Jesus offer to help, when Jesus offered to help, This man actually said to Jesus, he needs to just use the word only and speak the word only. And Jesus intentionally stops and says about this foreigner, I haven't seen such faith even in Israel. Which means he's saying this foreigner who is despised, this foreigner who's not accepted by you, I accept his faith and I recognize his faith. Because when it comes to God, there's no Jew, there's no Gentile, there's no foreigner, we are all God's people. When it comes to God, there's no male, there's no female, we are all God's people. Come on now somebody, when it comes to God, there's no rich, there's no poor, there's no Mtswana, there's no Mutonga. we are all God's people when it comes to God. Jesus even went so far as to use Samaritans as an example. There was a huge clash between the Samaritans and the Jews at the times. Oftentimes, they didn't want to have anything to do with each other. But Jesus, in his parables, made favorable mentions of Samaritan. This very ethnic group, which was hated with a passion. Jesus would use them as an example of good. He even went so far as in the time of his ministry, as he was traveling from one place to the other, he made a point that he goes through Samaria. to a double-up. Yeah. Jews in those days, when they went on that route, they would take the long route to avoid cannot through Samaria. But Jesus made it a point that he deliberately double-ups. Yeah. Tell your neighbor, Jesus deliberately double-up. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Just tell the other person, Jesus deliberately double-up. Now, like I said, because we are far removed from the time, we don't realize how radical that was. Jesus is, is being followed by 12 disciples who are very prejudiced. Now, the same thing with many of us, but is that we buy into the prejudices of things that we found there. This each year prejudice had started long time ago, Abraham. And even the people who followed just bought in the pre- prejudice. We say things about each other. We call people names. Simply because you had somebody in the past calling them. We say all kinds of things about each other. And we think God's going to side with us. And Jesus decided, I'm going to deal with this thing. So he goes through Samaria. And his disciples can't take it. Go and read it. It's in John 4. Don't read it now. Read it later they 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 baila ba covid loga first service I akere the book of john ba covid logoba what we gonna join kara kobol la ntlogo lentseben so you can kobol la the tlogo and shababi so when he went into samaria when he, he deliberately went to this woman at the well jesus was t- dealing with several types of prejudices that were there there were prejudices around gender equality at the time And he decided he's going to talk to this woman and talk to her in a fair way, in a humane way. Opposite to how men used to treat women those days. Secondly, there were historical issues that were there because they were all fighting over the world, saying, It is our father. Liluna, we have our father. Liluna, we all have Abraham as our father. The world is ours. Eko Kai Kai. Jesus had to deal with that. There were also religious problems. You know, where is the right place to worship? Is it in Jerusalem? Is it on the mountain? Jesus had to deal with those issues. But he also had to deal with his prejudiced disciples. And because this woman, to whom prejudice was being meted out, had her own issues. See, when, when you are being ostracized as a person, you also have issues as well. You also feel done in and you, you also decide to behave in a certain way. But my goodness, because of the way Jesus was, this woman couldn't believe that this man, who is a Jew was so respectful towards her. She was so blown away that she went into the city to go and tell others. Can I hear an amen? amen? I pray to God this will be your story as you relate with people who come from other cultures, as you relate with people who feel ostracized, that it will be your story, that the way where now you treat them, the way where now you talk to them, you are different. Amen. Later on, his prejudiced disciples come back because when Jesus talked to the woman, they decided to divert themselves by Lora there are people who don't want to deal with issues. They would rather divert their attention. They would rather do something else. When they came back, Jesus was so kasugat. You can find that in the dictionary. Yeah, you can, you can check it on e-dictionary. Jesus was so kasugat that when they offered him food, he said, I have food to eat that you know not of. Yeah, he said, my, "My food is to do the will of Him who sent me, <laughs> finish His work." The dijutsaluna that are filled with prejudice, and we need to be like that. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? <laughs> and when we read Revelations chapter seven, it paints a picture of heaven, <laughs> <laughs> and in heaven. We see a multitude. Look at Revelation 7, 9. After these things, I looked. This is John speaking about the days that are coming. God gave him a vision of what's coming. After judgment has been done and we stand before God. He says, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number. From all nations. all tribes Aye. all nations South Africans were there, Ghanaians were there, Nigerians were there, Basutu were there Maswati were there all tribes yeah yeah Kosa's were there Bapenda Batonga, everybody all peoples and tongues, all languages standing before the throne before God clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. And they are crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne, and the elders and the four living creatures fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Amen. Blessing and glory and and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and forever. That day is coming. When we will stand side by side. All nations of the world. I want to say to you, why don't you practice now? If you don't like other nationalities, you're going to hate heaven. Because they'll be there from other nations of the world. Standing next to you, side by side. So that I tell people. If you don't like children, you're going to hate heaven. Jesus says, allow the little children to come to me. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. Let's decode it. He says, allow them to come to me because heaven is full of them. If you don't like children, you're going to hate heaven. They'll be skating down the streets of gold. They'll be jumping up and down the tree of life. They'll be dunking themselves in the river of life. They'll be making noise like you can't believe. You might as well practice now. Tell your neighbor, you might as well practice now. And so we need to be the good Samaritan. As we close, Luke chapter 10 powerful story that we can all apply. It says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? He answered and said, You love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your might, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus said, you've answered rightly. Do this and you'll live. But he wanted to justify himself because you know, Mudimu will always point you to his word. But this guy, because of what Jesus said, comfortable. said, because he knew he had attitudes and issues, so in a, in, a, in in trying to justify himself, verse twenty nine, he said to Jesus, "Who is my neighbor?" And Jesus answered, "A certain man went down to Jer- J- Jerusalem, went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothes, wounding him, and departed, leaving him half dead." Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. See, when we pass by on the other side, we are not being what God wants us to be. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. And this is what I'm saying. It's so nice It's nice to tweet. But it's nicer to do something. Yeah. Tweet and do something. But a certain Samaritan, you see now, he's using Samaritan as an example. A certain Samaritan. As he joined, it came where this man was. When he saw him, he had compassion. He demonstrated the compassion, verse 34. He went to him. That's why we're going today. That's why we're going today. Look at your neighbor. What's wrong? Yeah, yeah. They're acting like my sermon is boring. It's not boring. What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? He went to him. Watch what he did bandaged his wound. Pouring oil and wine. Set him on his own animal. His own animal. His own animal. Brought him to an inn, took care of him. Some of you you don't even try to find out about our brothers from the continent. You won't talk to them. Already. Already when you relate with them, you already have issues. Let me say this, Vazalana. I think I'm going to say it. I didn't say it in the first service. I'm going to say it now. How I thought it would say go deeper. <laughs> Some of my best friends are not South African. Yeah. I, I, I'll tell you why. You're Bishop Doug, my friend. Bishop Chalo Kachunga. When I met Bishop Chalo, I told him years ago. I said to him, you are like a brother I didn't have. Yeah. Just like Bishop Freddy, member second. Yeah. So you have friends across nationalities. You have friends across, across nationalities. You have friends across the border. You know, people, we have, we have issues around black, white, colored, Indian. Oh, Jesus, help us. Some of you will not even have a friend who doesn't look like you. The only place you know... <laughs> the problem of living in a small world is that you don't understand what you do in that small world can affect the bigger world. You and your friends decide to go and steal food from the shop of a foreign national because of what's happening so you go and loot but you don't understand that by doing that it's going to cost Bafana Bafana a match you, you, you're not aware of it you're not aware that by doing that embassies of Afri- South Africa in the world are going to be closed down you're not aware that business is going to suffer business is going to be burned down just because of what Coca-Cola. And the funny thing, people say, no, they're, they're selling poisoned food. And that's what I don't understand. That, that, that's what I don't understand. I was saying during the week, one of the things we must do Bazalan. And uh, this one is not in my script, so I'm freestyling right now. Yo, man, I'm freestyling. I'm freestyling, man. I'm freestyling. Yeah. Many people on our continent have had so much problems in their countries that they were forced to leave their country seeking for help. And that gave them perspective of what it feels like To be all alone in a foreign land. And where the things, where you are, are not working and you have to go for help. And to a large extent, some of them, it has given them perspective. One of the things that, unfortunately, is an aftermath of our having been separated from the rest of the world. We don't know what it feels like to have a dysfunctional country. And we don't know what it's like to not be in your land and have to go live somewhere else. We don't have an appreciation of how you wish you can be treated when you are in another land. As we travel around the world, Bazalan. There you don't have a car, you rely on public transport. But if how can have more Uber they're gonna mug you? Do You know how you feel when you get to the airport and the officials there, they're nasty to you. Do you know how you feel like when you have to be looking out from yourself? how you are not sure you feel vulnerable? The one thing we need to do in our nation is to educate our people about that. Yeah. And the best way of educating us, Baselana, is to travel. Yeah. 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 Travel. Yeah. Travel. Yeah. Now don't go far. just, just across the border, fellow Yogoswazilin.ya. Just cross the border with Yokozim or Zambia. Just go there for a while by yourself, eh? I've driven on the continent. There's a time I drove right through Z- Z- Zimbabwe going to Zambia. Took us 24 hours to go to Lusaka. Driving by road, non-stop. Fifth, you, you know how it feels like to be stopped by a traffic cop over Tanchele. And you don't have the, the local currents. And they give you a spot find bar patala manch. or you go to jail. See the small world? You don't know how it feels like. We don't know how it feels like. We don't know how it feels like, Basalana, to have to go to another country and try to make a living. Because things in your country are not working. Many of us we don't have the compassion to see what's going on in other parts of the world. I'm telling you. And that makes us to be very, very arrogant towards people who don't have and make statements. We should be grateful. For what God's given us. We should be grateful to have a country like we have. And we should even be more generous. And the sad thing for me that gets me is we're treating our African brothers like that. When other nationals, the Germans and the Chinese and the everybody, they are taking the rest from us. But now we don't do that to them. No, it's fine. It's okay. We need to be instruments of peace. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So we know the story of the Samaritan. He bandaged this man, took him to the inn, verse 32, 35, paid for him, told the innkeeper, take care of him, and whatever you spent, I'll come again and I'll repay you. this guy. And then, verse 37, Jesus said, who's the one who's a neighbor there? he said, well, the one who showed mercy on him, Jesus says, go thou and do likewise. Let me rephrase that. This question is not who is your neighbor. Let me borrow from Martin Luther King. This story is not about who is my neighbor. This story is about who can I be a neighbor to? Yeah. Where you are, where you are, who can you be a neighbor to? Where you take the initiative. Let me close. Leviticus 19, verse 33 and 34, it says, Leviticus 19, 33 and 34, and if a stranger dwells with you in your land, you shall not mistreat him. The stranger who dwells among you shall be to you as one born among you. And you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Unfortunately, what we don't realize is that when God initiated the saving of the people of the world, he started with a specific nationality. Came through the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, people of Jewish descent. Unfortunately, what the people at that time didn't realize that even though God had started with a specific nationality, God was not confined to that nationality. God was just using them as a door. But they in the process became separatist and xenophobic. Talk about the people of the time. To an extent that the disciples, even after Jesus had told them to take the gospel. To Samaria, Judea. That was, that, was a, that was a very radical statement. They wouldn't go. Read it. Even when the Holy Spirit fell on, in the book of Acts. Even when the Spirit came down powerfully upon people. Because we can be powerful and still be prejudiced. We can be anointed and still be full of xenophobia. We can go to church, raise our hands and still be xenophobic. And so when you read from Acts chapter 1 all the way to Acts chapter 6, the church hasn't done what Jesus said. They didn't go to Samaria. They didn't go to Judea. They didn't go to the uttermost parts of the world. They were happy to be among the people they relate with. People they know, people whose culture they understand. They were happy to be among them. And then things got out of hand. Persecution came. When persecution came, by default, they were forced be scattered. Only the apostles remained in Jerusalem. The rest of the believers had to become foreign nationals. And Philip ends up in Samaria. Acts chapter 7. And he starts preaching. And the Samaritans get saved. God's moving among Samaritans. But when the Jews come to Jerusalem, they are still not fully convinced that God can save foreign nationals. And so, they had to send for the apostles. When they came there, when they stood and checked what God was doing, because God's not going to buy into a prejudice. God's going to also move and challenge what we are thinking. And thank God they got filled with the Holy Spirit. But even with that, they still hadn't been cured yet. Peter, even if he's one of the leading guys, he still has issues in his heart. God said, Look at your and say, So one day here is Peter. He's praying on a housetop. And he's praying on a housetop, this is Acts chapter 9, chapter 10. As he's praying on a housetop, he sees a, a, a sheet being brought from heaven filled with all kinds of animals. And a voice says to him, kill and eat. Peter says, no, Lord, you know, you know. I mean, I can't eat what's what's uncommon. I can't eat what is defiled. I can't. And and it happens three times. What he doesn't know is that there's a guy called Cornelius. He's not a Jew. He's a foreign national in another part. This guy is doing what's right. He's praying. He's giving arms to God. He's worshipping God and God wants to bring the gospel to him. God said, I will use this guy. You know, sometimes God uses you even if you... Because I'm going to use this guy even if he has prejudice in his head, I'm going to use him. So after the vision, Peter, hears there are three men looking for you. How about we have been sent? And the voice says to Peter, go doubting nothing. So why are To the house of Cornelius. Agakosho. When he arrives there, he is among foreign nationals. Oh, Gentiles. He's not comfortable. He doesn't want his brothers to see them. Because some of us, we don't want to stand for the truth. Yeah. We are concerned with and outlawing. There are times when God moves you. You have to stand for the truth in spite of what and I say. So here he is. He's uncomfortable. Then his vision comes back. How? So, this is what I was seeing. So, he starts preaching. The Cornelia says, Muna, the, 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 the angel told me, You must tell us words through which we'll be saved. He starts preaching. He starts quoting God's word. He starts preaching. And God says, I'm not going to wait for his altar call. I want to solve this guy, Muruti Teji. I won't even wait for him to say, Come to the front. I won't even wait for them I'll, I'll get them saved there And filled with the Holy Spirit So why is he still preaching The Holy Spirit fell on all those who hear the word Come on somebody give the Lord a shout God's trying to help the brother God's trying to help the brother Stop being xenophobic Stop thinking that God doesn't care about other people God fills them with the Holy Spirit Can I hear a good amen Can I hear a Hallelujah And they get filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter looks at the guys, who are prejudiced like him. He says, can anybody deny that these people should be baptized in water seeing that the same power that came upon us on Pentecost is the same power that is coming upon them. Of a truth I can see that God is no respecter of persons. Can I hear an amen in that? And God works in Peter's heart. But as you read the book of Acts, time and time again, they go into a default mechanism. We default to our prejudice that we were raised with. But what we forget is that this gospel, by the way, this good news, by the way, started way back with a certain group of people, a certain ethnic group, who themselves didn't understand God's nature and God's goal. They wanted to keep this thing to themselves. So when Jesus came, he started preaching in a way they didn't like. He started embracing people they didn't like. He started talking in a way they didn't like. And then as the people got saved and born again, the church got filled with Samaritans and Jews and everybody and Gentiles and everybody. And God was working among everybody because God is a God of everybody. I said, God is a God of everybody. And when Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, he says to them, he says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Oh, I love it. He says, do not forget. That you Gentiles used to be outsiders. I'm reading the New Living Translation. You Gentiles, you used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised, heathen by the Jews, who were proud of their circumcision even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel. You didn't know the covenants and the promises God had made to you. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Jesus Christ. Now you have been united. With Jesus Christ. Once you were far from God, but now you have been brought near to Him through the blood of Jesus Christ. For Christ Himself has brought peace to us, He united the Jews and the Gentiles into one body, He united the Tongas and the Zulu, He united the Nigerian and the Ghanaian and the South African. Christ is the one that has brought us near. He says he broke down the wall of hostility. That separated us. Verse 19 to 21, it says, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. (laughs) Oh, we once were foreign nationals when it comes to the promises of God. We were once on the outside looking in when it comes to the promises of God. But when God brought Jesus, he was making a statement. I'm not going to have anybody who is a foreign nationals because I'm a God of all people. I'm a God of all nationalities. It says, once you are, we're no longer, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the house of, of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building is built and has been fitted together. It's almost like when God, when you fit the bricks together, unkamu Soutu, unkamu Tsonga, unkamu Nigeriano, unkamu South Africano, unka male, unka female, unka rich, unka poor, unka tall, unka short, educated, uneducated, unkamu Tuwakotisababu, koku, koku, kogated community. That's what the church is about. Can I hear an amen? that's what we must demonstrate as people of the church we've come from all backgrounds from all nations of the world under one agenda under one God and his name is Jehovah God when we worship him he doesn't hear my nationality when we worship him he doesn't hear how rich or poor I am when I call on the name of Jesus there's only one name that has been given to man through which we can be saved That's the name of Jesus. Can I hear an amen? No matter what country, you can say Jesus in Australia, Jesus in America, you can say Jesus in Hong Kong, Jesus in South Africa, and Jesus will hear you because we are one nation under God. Can I hear a shout? And we need to demonstrate that and refuse the spirit of the day. In the spirit of the age. And say we are one people. I said 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 we are one people. We are one people. Of all nations of the world. God created us. Regardless of our different shades. Our different countries. We are all one people. And You know what's another the dynamism of the unity of the body is when we can sit side by side with all our diversities and never make that an issue and say, even if I'm sitting next to you, you're my brother, you're my sister. Uh, you remember that song we used to sing? I wanted to go around for a while, all right? You're my brother, you're my sister. Take me by the hand. Together we will walk until Jesus comes. Why don't you go around to somebody there? And talk to them and tell them, You are my brother, you are my sister. Go around, give them a hug. So take me by the hand. Together.